you're listening to a message from Lifeway Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, please visit www.lifeway.church. Now, please enjoy this message from our pastor, Bruce Rhodes. Good morning, Lifeway. I want everybody to take, uh, take your Bible to stand up. Take your Bible, stand up. See, I threw you a curve right there. Are you ready? Are you really, really, really ready to receive? Take your Bible, even if it's on your device here, and I want you to hold the Bible up as if you were making a declaration. I want you to say this, Lord, I receive everything that you have for me today in Jesus' name. My heart is open. My eyes are open. My ears are open. Download to me all that you have for me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Slap your neighbor a high five. Turn to Acts chapter 10. Get excited because I'm already up there. If you're not excited, then you probably are not in the right place because I'm already up there. You're going to have to catch up with me. I have just uh, those who are tuning in through the uh, internet, I put out on my Facebook page a watch party. I don't know what that is, but I just clicked a couple of buttons and a, a bunch of people started watching. And so if you're watching in the watch party that I started, I don't know what I did, but hello. Um, also, if you want the notes, you can, you can look at the notes, lifeway.church lifeway forward slash 3-10-19. Everybody say 3-10-19. So you can go to that URL, that link, and see the notes for this week's message. We do that so that you can take notes. You can email your notes to yourself after the message, or you can go back and look at the notes Review the video and, and, and meditate on that. Get more out of it, you know. There's, there's kind of a sermon in that last little illustration about clicking something that you don't know what you were clicking, right, when you start a watch party. Maybe if you're watching, maybe you can start a watch party. Invite everybody to watch because I believe that this series for the next four weeks is going to be so important. There are so many people that are out there that are hurting, that need healing. I said hurting that need healing, right? Hurting in their bodies, but also, listen, there is this thing that we're dealing with um, as a people. All over the earth, we're dealing with this uh, mental illness issue. There's so many people that are mentally ill, that are hurting, that need healing. And I know the healer. I know the healer. And if you know Jesus, you know the healer. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to go on a journey from we're leaving here on March the 10th and the, the, the final Sunday, we're going to have people here in our location. We're going to have people down at the front. And we're going to lay hands on them to receive healing, right? So for, for the next four weeks, we're building up. We're building up and we're going somewhere. So I want you to tune in, take the word of God in because the word is what, is what produces the healing, guys. There is no person that has the healing power of God right? It doesn't reside in a person. It comes from God and, and it flows through people, right? But we're going to learn about healing today. Are you ready to learn 
about healing? Are you in the school of the Holy Spirit ready to learn about healing? Healing can be, it can be very complex and can be very uh, complicated. So what I want to do is bring balance. There have been many things said about healing. And, and when, when all is said and all is done in the name of healing, a lot of people walk away confused. And there's a lot of confusion in the body of Christ today over this issue of healing. What is healing? Where does it come from? Who has it? Who can receive it? What, what is God's part in it? And, and so there can be many positions and many opinions that the church has regarding uh, this, this issue of healing. And if we take our opinion, we become divided. But if we look at God's word, we become united. Right? God's word unites us when our opinions might divide us. And listen, healing is not about your experience. It's not about your uncle or your aunt that, that may have prayed a prayer and, and ended up dying. What about that? What about we're going to talk about those things? Right? Because, listen, God wants to answer questions. How many of you believe that God has the answers? God wants to answer your questions. He wants to answer my questions. And so there is, there's some answers here. We don't have to have our head in the dark. We don't have to wonder what God's will is about this all-important issue of healing. You know, the Bible even says that, that people perish for a lack of knowledge. People, uh, they, what they don't know, what you don't know can hurt you, right? If you don't know the truth, then you may not be set free. But the Bible says when we know the truth, it's the truth that we know and the truth that we walk in that helps us to be set free from the lies of the enemy. And so that's what we want to look at. If you've, uh, did I tell you to turn to Acts chapter 10? Acts chapter 10. Look at Acts chapter 10. We're going to start with this one verse. Are you ready to receive this morning? I'm telling you, this is machine gun material right here. I've got, I'm, I'm loaded for bear. I, I, I'm loaded for the enemy right here. And, and we, might, we might just go till 1 p.m. I mean, I, I'm telling you, get, get ready. Buckle your seatbelt. We're ready to go. I don't know if we lost an hour, gained an hour, but I don't care. We, we might be here two hours with as much uh, material as I got. Acts chapter 10. I, I promise you, I'm not going to hold you that long. But listen, I believe, here, here's what I believe. You don't have to be long to receive something from God. God t- in the moments that God has spoken to me in my life that were the monumental moments, it, it was, it was that, that quick. Changed me on the inside, rearranged me on the inside, stood me up when I was falling down, and God can do that this morning. In just, just a minute of time, I believe from his word, he can make it very clear that, that God's will is to heal us. Look at Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. Acts 10, 38 explains explains the heart of Jesus where healing is concerned. It says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. Notice that the Holy Spirit goes with power and power goes with the Holy Spirit. And how God the Father anointed Jesus. And until God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power, Jesus was not going around healing. But after God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power, he went around doing good. Everybody say doing good. good. Doing good is good. The title of the message today is Good, Good Father. He's a good, good father. And he does good things. Jesus went about doing good. It's good to do good. I'm telling you, do good. 
because it, it brings glory to our good, good Father who loves us. And Jesus went around doing good and, and look, at, look at this, doing good and healing. Healing is doing good. And doing good involves healing. And so Jesus was anointed with power, anointed by the Father with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. One translation says all who were oppressed by the devil. There are a lot of people that are oppressed by the devil today. And like I was talking about, mental illness, that is an oppression by the enemy in your mind. When, when you wake up and you can't even think uh, good thoughts, and all your mind is filled with negative and bad suicidal thoughts, that is oppression from the devil. And God wants people to be set free from the power of the enemy, right? And it, it comes through the anointing of the, of the Holy Spirit and power. Everybody say power. power. Now, the world is looking for power in, in many various and in, in different places and various and different uh, methods and, and means to get this power. But Jesus... The Word, the living Word of God was anointed by the Father with the Holy Spirit and power. And, he, and that compelled him to do something. He, did, he didn't just receive this anointing and go sit on some throne somewhere and expect people to come and bow down to him. He was anointed, equipped with power, and then he went and did something. Right? Can you see that? It's God's will that we be healed. Jesus was anointed with power. The last part of that verse says, because God was with him. He went and did good and healed because God the Father was with him. Aren't you glad God was with Jesus as he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil? Wow. Jesus needs to be walking on the earth today. Amen. Healing people. That's why we, as the body of Christ, are connected to the head. Jesus is the head who is up in heaven, but we're his body on the earth, connected to him. So we, his body, can expect to be anointed with the Holy Spirit and power and go around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Isn't that exciting? Doesn't that excite you? Do you like to see people set free from the power of the devil? Isn't God a good, good father? Could you find another good, good father? Not like God. Not like God. My God is a good, good father. Everybody just say that. My God is a good, 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 good father. So if you didn't have a good, 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 good father in, on, on the earth in your past, you've got one now. God is your good, 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 good father. And healing is a manifestation or the fruit of. We could say healing is the fruit of the goodness of God. You've got to be convinced 125%. I just made that up. Over 100%. <laughs> any number over 100 You've got to be convinced over, uh, 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 fully, totally, totally convinced that God is good. That his will for you is good. That he, Jesus, walked the earth and ministered, and it was the heart of God on display. 
God's heart was on display as Jesus walked about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. You, you're not going to find, you can study. I, 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 I double dog, triple dog, no, you're to study the, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the four Gospels, right? Study Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and try to find somewhere in there where Jesus said, no, you know, you're sick and today I just, I just don't have it in my heart to heal you. You've got to keep that, you know? I'm too bad, so sad. No, 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 no. Jesus never met anybody that he did not heal. Let me say it a different way. I'll stand over here and say it a different way. Everybody that Jesus met that needed healing, that came to him in faith, he healed. That's why we have so many scriptures that say he healed them all. Everybody say all. That's a good word, all. A good, good father heals all of his children. God was with Jesus doing good. And so why does God heal? This is a big question. Why does God heal? Does, does God heal to prove that he's all-powerful? No. Let me tell you. I'll give you a secret. God doesn't need to prove that he's all-powerful. He is. He knows it. And that's good enough. Right? God does not need to prove that he's all-powerful. The reason that God displays his power through healing is because he's a good, good father and he loves you. He loves you. Look at your neighbor and say, God loves you. God loves, therefore God heals. God loves, therefore God heals. John three sixteen is one of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible. I want us to read John 3.16 and John 3.17 out of the New Living Translation because it ties into this theme that God is good and healing is a manifestation of God's goodness. Healing is the fruit of God's goodness. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. That includes you. That includes me. That includes everybody that's tuned in, watching this anywhere at any time, whether you speak English or not. God loves you. God loves you and he loves the world so much that he gave his only son. He gave Jesus. God is a giver. He's never taken anything back. God gave Jesus because he loved you so much so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. So why did God send Jesus? Because he loves us. It's his love that sent Jesus to the earth. It was the love of God that compelled Jesus to strip himself of the glory that he had in heaven and come to this filthy earth filled with sin to do a job that nobody else on earth could do. To pay the price, not only for our salvation, but also our physical healing. Right? Jesus came. He took stripes upon his back. Jesus was beaten. He was beaten and beaten. He took stripes upon his back. Then he gave his blood. Jesus, check this out. Jesus could have given his blood without taking a single stripe on his back. But he took the stripes for our healing. He shed his blood for our eternal salvation. Think about that. How much God loves you. 
It was all wrapped up in what Jesus did for you, what he did for me. John 10.10, Jesus is speaking, and he says, The thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, he's drawing a contrast. Jesus is talking about the thief. We call him the enemy. We also call him Satan. We were calling him the devil. Here in Acts 10.38, it said those who were oppressed by the devil, right? Jesus came to do good and heal those who were oppressed by the devil. And over in John 10.10, Jesus says, uh, The thief comes but... Only one reason the thief comes, to steal, kill, and destroy. But then he contrasts that and he says, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Not just eternal life when you get to heaven, but eternal life, the quality of eternal life here on this earth. Sozo, the Zoe life of God on earth, right? And Jesus displayed that because he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. He never turned anyone away. He never turned anyone away. He never turned anyone away. And he loves us. He loves us. So the first point is he created you. God created you. You. Little old you. I mean little young you. Little big you. (laughs) whatever you just like you you God created you you may have thought that it was your mother and father they had a part in it but unless God gave them the ability to procreate you would not be here it's a big issue today isn't it the abortion issue when does life start at conception I mean everybody is up in in everybody's face declaring when life starts. God is the one that gives life, and he's the one that creates people. He created you. Look at Psalm 139, verse 13. Psalm 139, 13 says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. And I'm here to tell you, if God knit you together in your mother's womb and you, and you need something knit back together, God can knit you back together too. If he knit you together in the first place, he can knit you back together if you need knitting back together. Verse 14 says, Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Have you ever just thanked God for making you so wonderfully complex? You know, sometimes we're like, Oh, why did you make me so wonderfully complex? But we need to be thankful that God made us the way that he made us. And then the psalmist says, your workmanship is marvelous. Your workmanship is marvelous, and how well I know it. Big debate today about life, when it starts, and whose body we should respect. And wait a minute. God created you. Thank God for your mother that she had you on this earth. God gives life, and he knows your body better than you do. That's astounding. God knows your body better than you know, better than the doctor knows. Have you ever noticed when you go to the doctor, they they say, lay down here, put this thing on here, hook this machine up here, do this and do that, and then they punch you around. They say, "Does does that hurt? Does that hurt? Does that hurt? 
They're trying to find out what's going on inside here. They don't know. <laughs> and they're practicing medicine to boot on you and, and having you pay for it. <laughs> Crazy, isn't it? But God, the giver of life, the author of life, knows you better than you know yourself. And if you're connected to the Holy Spirit, he can, sh he can even tell you what's going on in your body when nobody else can know what's going on. If we just listen, that's how intricate, that's how delicate, that's how complex that God made you and how much he loves you. It's so awesome to think about that God made you and he loves you. Also in verse 16 of this very same chapter, Psalm 139, in verse 16, God knows everything about you. Here's what, here's what it says in the New Living Translation. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Isn't that awesome? God not only knows all about your body, but he knows about every day that he has recorded in his book about every moment of your life. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he has a plan for you. It's God's love and the motive of his love and his heart so full of love because he's such a good, good father. That's the reason that he provides healing for us. Luke 12, 7, Jesus said this. Now, Jesus is talking to people that were worried. They were in fear. And he's addressing this issue of fear, and he uses this statement. And we kind of laugh when we say this, but think about how powerful this statement is in, in the context of what Jesus is talking about, about fear. People are afraid. They're afraid, of, afraid for their life. There's fear on the earth today, magnified fear. And we need to listen to this one verse that Jesus talked about, your hair. He said, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. But, but he didn't finish there. We use that illustration, you know, God numbers the, he knows the number of hairs on your head. And then Alvin, he's lost a whole lot of numbers. So he's down to about 10 or 12. No. <laughs> Alvin even shaves his off. So God knows the half of the hair that... The point is God knows everything about you, everything about you. And then Jesus says this, don't be afraid. So don't be afraid because God knows all about you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid because you're worth more to God. You're more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Now God's comparing you to a flock of sparrows. I don't know how many sparrows is in a flock, but you're worth more than millions and billions of flocks of sparrows right? He created us. He knows us. He loves you. That's point number two. God loves you. He loves you. John chapter 9. You need to know that God loves you. Look at John chapter 9. Say that. God loves me. Just the way I am. Wow. That's a revelation. John chapter 9. Look at this. Awesome, awesome story. Account, not a story. This is, this is for real. This happened. As Jesus went along, he saw a man that was blind for birth, from birth. 
his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now I want to stop there and point out a couple of things. Number one, the disciples knew that there was a connection between sin and sickness. They asked him that question. His disciples had seen Jesus going about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, right? And so his disciples were quick enough to see this man blind from birth and ask Jesus the question, who sinned, this man or his parents? Which is kind of crazy because if the man was blind from birth, he... uh, did, did, he, did he sin before he was born? Did he become blind? I mean, I, I don't understand their question. That's why Jesus really didn't say, you know, um, could you ask that question a different way because I don't understand what you're asking. Think about what the disciples asked Jesus and how ridiculous it was. And really the point is not that sin and sickness are tied together. But the bigger issue here was that Jesus wanted to heal the man. The issue that Jesus pointed to was not the sickness. It was not the sin that could have been associated with the sickness. The bigger issue here was Jesus wanted to heal the man and did heal the man. Do you see that? Let's keep reading and and you will see it. Let me just back up and read... The first verse again. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus' response was neither. 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 Neither this man nor his parents sinned. Wow. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Again, Jesus was all about purpose. He was anointed by the Father to go and heal the oppressed, those that were oppressed by the devil, and deliver those who were sick, right? And he was focused on that. No one was going to get Jesus off in the ditch arguing about who sinned this man or his parents. That's not the issue. We like to ask the question, why? That's what the disciples were really asking. That was the question behind the question. Why is this man blind? And we like to ask that question in our own little mind, our own finite mind. Jesus was operating in the infinite wisdom of God And we ask these little questions. Why is this person sick? Or we ask, why are we sick? God, what have I done? What have I done? What have I done to deserve this sickness? And let me tell you, the the issue is not why. The issue is God loves you and he wants you healed. So let's quit asking the question, why? And just accept the fact that God loves you so much that he wants you healed. We waste so much time asking these questions why when we should be looking at Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, and hear him say, I love you. Be free. 
I love you. Receive your sight. I love you. God loves you. God loved this man that was blind. And Jesus was not going to argue about whose sin it was that made this man blind. Jesus said, neither. 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 In verse 6 it says, after Jesus said this, he spit on the ground. <laughs> Can you imagine the blind man? What, 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 what was he thinking? Like, what happened? <laughs> Somebody just, <laughs> did Jesus just spit? Like, okay, what, what's he going to do now? Uh, I don't know, but he's taking up a big wad of spit and mud, and he's going to do something with it. Jesus took up the spit and put it in the guy's eye. Right? And in verse 7, Jesus told him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed. The man went and washed. Keep it simple, guys. The man didn't say, well, how's this going to work out? Um, is this the best you can do? I never thought that I, I would have dirty eyes. I mean, I, I just want my eyes opened, you know? Jesus, why are you spitting my eye? I mean, what, what, what's the deal here? He went and washed. He just obeyed. He just obeyed. Faith obeys. Verse 8, his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? And some claimed it was. And others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I'm the man. How then were your eyes open? They, they were all inquisitive because of this miracle that had happened. And then the Pharisees chimed in, and they wanted to accuse Jesus of working on the Sabbath and not keeping the Sabbath. And so the Pharisees called the parents to verify, called the blind man's parents to verify, is this, is this the guy that was blind? And the parents said, well, he's an adult. Why don't you ask him? And so it circled all the way back to this blind man. And at the very end, the blind man says, I don't know if this was the man that healed me or whatever. All I know is one thing. I was blind, but now I see. In other words, keep it simple. Keep it simple. God loves you. God wants you to be healed. Healing is the fruit of the goodness of God. Healing is the fruit of the goodness of God. Everybody say that. Healing is the fruit of the goodness of God. God wants his people healed. He wants everybody healed. Jesus did what he did 2,000 years ago so that we would be healed. Right? These people couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe it. They wanted to try to explain it away. They wanted to catch Jesus doing something that he shouldn't have been doing. But it's good to do good on every day of the week. Because a good, good father loves you. And he wants you healed. And you might be there today and you might say, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. It is like it is. Yes. Jesus never did deny that the man was blind, right? Jesus never said, no, no, he's really not blind. 
A lot of, there's, there's a lot of confusion where this healing thing is. It, and people think that if they say that they're not sick, that they will be healed. That's not, that's not true. It is what it is, but it doesn't have to stay the way it is. Let me say it again. It is what it is, but it doesn't have to stay the way it is. When Jesus comes down the road, if you receive what he has to give, you shall be healed. Right? Because he's a good, good father. And he loves his children. And love is his character. Love is Jesus' character. 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another. Because love is of God. Right? Love is from God. Love is of God. Love comes from God. But not only that, anyone who, who, who loves is a child of God. And then verse 8 says, for God is love. So love is not just an action. It's, love is not just a verb that comes from God. It's not just something God does, but it's something that God is. God is love. God is love. And so love is his character. Love is God's character. And because he loves, he gives. And because he loves, he heals. And so if God loves you, God heals you. God gives to you. God is a good, good, good father. And so people, when, when, they, find, when they find that, that there's a disease and, and disease, disease is dysfunction. It came as a part of the sin package on this earth. Before Adam and Eve sinned, there was no sickness. But because Adam and Eve disobeyed God, in the garden, it opened the door for the enemy to bring sickness on the earth. And so we've been dealing with sickness these many years since Adam and Eve sinned, right? It was not God's original will for sickness to come on the earth. God's original will is that we be healed. That's why there's no sickness in heaven, right? There's no sickness in heaven. And so Jesus told us to pray that the will of the Father in heaven be done on earth. And then Jesus came to earth and manifested the will of the Father in heaven. And he brought healing. And so healing belongs to us. It's part of the covenant that God made with us that he executed through the life of Christ. Jesus came and displayed the goodness of God. And so healing is, a, is the fruit of the goodness of God. So most of the thoughts that we have to deal with when, when, when we experience sickness in our body is, does God care about me? Does God care about me? We have that thought, and then the enemy comes right behind that, and the enemy says, no, he doesn't. See, he doesn't care about you because he made you sick. Or he allowed sickness to come on you. Have you ever heard that? The enemy bringing accusation against you. You're not good enough. You've done so many bad things. God is punishing you. He's withholding healing from you. I'm just getting right in the middle of it, right? I'm not, I'm not dodging any questions here and painting this wonderful, great picture. Listen, we deal with these thoughts in our mind. 
And if we don't shut the door to these thoughts that the enemy brings to us, then we'll begin to doubt God. God cares about you. He cared enough about you to send Jesus, his only son. We just read it in John 3.16, right? God cared enough about you to send Jesus, who was the solution for the, for the sin problem. He brought, he brought salvation, eternal life with him. When he died and he gave his blood, he gave his life for you so that you can live with the Father for all of eternity. But he, he didn't stop there. He took stripes on his back for your healing. And so does, to, to answer the question, does God care enough about you? He cares as much as his only begotten son, his only son that he sent here. He would have done it just for you. He loves you that much. Can you believe that? Can, can you receive the love of the Father this morning? He's such a good, good, good Father. Let this be an aha moment for you. Let it break through your mind and down into your heart that God loves you with an everlasting, lo everlasting love. He has good things for you. He loves to bless his children. Do you love to bless your children if you have children? Much more does God love to bless his children. Much more. Healing, this issue of healing is already settled in heaven. And it's already settled on the earth. God settled it through the person of Jesus. The third point in this message is healing is love in action. Healing is love in action. Look at the scripture in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 14. Do you see how, how good God is? Do you see how much he loves you? Do you, see, do you see why the devil fights so hard against this message? He wants to convince everybody that it can't be that easy. It can't be that simple. Just like the disciples were believing. Well, something had to happen. Either this man sinned or his parents sinned. What's the deal? Can't be that easy. It can't be as easy as God loves you and he wants to heal you. Right? Healing is love in action. Matthew 14, 14. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. He saw this huge crowd. Anywhere Jesus saw a crowd, he knew that there were people that were sick there. Because Jesus healed people, and the word got out that because Jesus could heal people, more people that were sick came. And so every time he saw a large crowd, he knew that there were a certain percentage of people in that crowd that needed healing. And he knew that it was going to be a lot of work to lay hands on all those people that needed healing so that they could be healed. So there was the opportunity for Jesus to see this large crowd and realize that there was a lot of work that he needed to do because, remember, his purpose was to leave heaven, come to earth, to be anointed by his Father with power and the Holy Spirit and go about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Right? So Jesus had the opportunity when he saw this large crowd to say, oh, wow, 
I just don't want to deal with this today. I think I'm going to turn around and run the other way. No, but this scripture says he was moved with what? Compassion. Compassion is love in action. Compassion is power that is moving toward the problem, not away from the problem. When we're filled with compassion for people, we're going to do something for them. You can't say, I'm compassionate for so-and-so and not do something about it. Jesus came to this earth not for himself to be served. The Bible says he didn't come to be served. He came to serve. So we as his body should be moved with compassion on people and be part of the solution. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Jesus came and he gave. He gave what he had. He received power from the Father. He was anointed by the Holy Spirit and power to go about doing something. And so he never did draw back. He never did say, oh, I just can't handle this anymore. I believe there were times where he had to stop and receive more grace in himself. Like, for example, at the time when he was in front of the tomb of Lazarus. And there was unbelief and doubt all over the place. People were crying and weeping and wailing because Lazarus was dead for days, four days. And Jesus was there and he looked up and he said, what did he say? I thank you, Father, that you hear, you always hear me. So there's times where that compassion, see, that compassion is, is the power, is the anointing from, from the Father to go and do good. And he had compassion on them and healed their sick. So I'm here today to tell you that healing is love in action. God loves his people. He loves you. He loves people that don't even know him. There was a time when I was in Tulsa at Bible school. And we thought it would be real cool to go down to the bus station and just pray for people. You know, because we're just so full of love. We just want to find somebody and say, God loves you. That's how we used to have fun, you know. That's, it's, a, it's a good time. Just find somebody and say, hey, let me tell you something. God loves you. And at that time, you can imagine there, uh, at the bus station, there are a lot of people there that are, you know, taking the bus from here to there or whatever. And then there's just people that just hang around. Sometimes transient people, sometimes homeless people or whatever. And, and so there was a group of us. There's probably a handful. We were down there, and we met up with this one person, and he, you could tell he'd been drinking because he's, he smelt like it, you know, and probably hadn't taken a bath in a while, too. But did you know that God loves people even though they hadn't taken a bath in a while and even though they've been, been drinking? And so it didn't stop us. It didn't stop us. We were moved with compassion when we saw this man who needed. He was in need. And so we had packed a bag of sandwiches. If people are hungry, they're not going to turn down the sandwich, right? Even if it's a bologna with uh, American cheese on it and mustard. Maybe you like bologna, American cheese, and mayonnaise, or I don't know, mustard, or pickles, or whatever. Getting hungry right now, right? Bologna sandwich sounds good. And this man thought a bologna sandwich sounded good too. 
But there was somebody in our group that said, um, did you hurt your leg? Now, nobody told this person that this man hurt his leg. It just happened that we were all standing there and this one person said, did you hurt your leg? And he's like, yeah, I hurt my leg. And he told us the whole story. And he's just throwing his words all over like that. And I don't know what happened. And he's telling the whole story, right? So he, the, the guy was, he was like, what do they say, three sheets in the wind or something like that? About 10 sheets to the wind. Couldn't hardly finish the story. So we ask him, simple question. Keep it simple, guys. Keep it simple. We didn't say, hey, did you sin or did your parents sin? <laughs> Who sinned around here that this man hurt his leg? <laughs> Somebody in our group said, did you hurt your leg? We said, can we pray for you? It was the compassion of the Lord. We had the man sit up on a truck. He sat up on the back of a truck. We prayed for his knee. I'm telling you, I have never seen somebody sober up like that. I mean, he went from slurring his words to his eyes open, and he, he went from one looking one way to looking another way, right before my eyes. It was like, I was, it was a, like a miracle for me to see the man go from this to this. Now, I, did, I couldn't feel his knee, but he was jumping up and down on his knee, and he was so excited. Tears were coming down. He had his bologna sandwich. He was healed. God was good. <laughs> I'm telling you, healing is the compassion of God in action. And God doesn't care where you came from, what you smell like, what you look like. He wants to heal you. He wants to make you right. He wants to meet your needs. So if you're asking that question today, do I have to be good enough? No, you don't have to be good enough. You can't be good enough. Jesus was the only one that was good enough. And because Jesus was good enough, they came, he came from the a good, good father. He's here today. And his goodness is the fruit. Healing is the fruit of his goodness. So I'm inviting you to invite him into your life. If you don't know Jesus, go ahead and bow your, bow your head and close your eyes. If you don't know Jesus... The first step is to say, Jesus, I need you. I need your goodness. I need what you have. I need what you have, Jesus. I take it. Just like we had this, this food for this man. He was hungry. Are you hungry? Are you hungry for a change in your life? Do you know that you need Jesus today? If you've never started to follow Jesus, that's the first step. You just make a decision in your heart and say, today's my day. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to pray this prayer. I'm going to begin to follow Jesus. If you started following Jesus some time ago, some years ago, just start following him again. It's very simple. You don't have to cry. You don't have to beg. You don't have to pay anything. No. Jesus paid it all. He loves you. He's a good, 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 good father. So if you're making a decision for Jesus today, I want to help you and give you some words. Right there where you are. Maybe you're watching. Maybe you're here in the room. Just pray this 
short, simple prayer like, like this. Jesus, I come to you now. And I give you my life. I desire to follow you. Beginning today, I choose to follow you all the days of my life. Thank you for providing eternal life for me. I receive it as a free gift. Thank you for paying for my salvation. Forgive me for sinning. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast. If you'd like to join us in reaching others by partnering with us today, you can give online by visiting us on our website at lifeway.church forward slash give. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this.